So, yeah, so the second episode, so the first episode establishes, okay, there's the Moriarty character, there's this kind of guy that's going to challenge him, that's using other, maybe going to use other people to challenge him, and, uh, you know, this, it sets up the relationship between the Watson and, and Holmes, and it just moves really quickly, it sets all the characters up, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but it's well done, it's well-executed mystery, it's got very compelling suspense at the end. Like you said, the thing about the GPS is just so creepy, but at the same time, almost kind of baffling. Like, no one gets it. They just all write off that it's not working or something, right? They're like, well, it says that we're here. Well, no, maybe you're using it wrong or something. <laughs> well, even he just completely, he keeps ignoring Hudson. and he. he yeah, Watson, he, yeah. No, uh, the woman. Mrs. Oh, Hudson. yeah. yeah Mrs. He Hudson, keeps ignoring yeah. her and, and uh, the fact that there's a man standing behind her and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, he says he needs to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So then the second episode, another big thing with with, with, with the home stories, from, and I just, like I said, know from the adventure stuff, is there was always just like straight up crime, there was like higher end conspiracy stuff, and then they loved to throw in their, you know, exotic, you know, uh, triad crimes of the Orient things or whatever else kind of stuff it would be called back then. Uh, and so that the second one is that. The second one is the... Uh, the Chinese triad gang uh, story, you know, which is which is a is a go-to for home stories. Like, well, there's a, a gang that's high-end, it's from another part of the world, it's not just this insular, like, oh, London is the only thing that exists kind of thing. It's like, no, these people are from a, somewhere else, they have their, their own culture and their own ways that they approach things, and it's something that's sort of, that, that is literally foreign to him and foreign to to the English and everything, but yet he still has to use his intellect and his abilities to solve these problems. And you get a little more with the character because he's first introduced uh, to the crime bait because the guy that observes the first sign or whatever it is is like an ex-schoolmate of his, like uh, went to the university with him or something, right? And, um, and you see his interaction with that guy is similar in the way to, to the way Mycroft his interaction with Mycroft is where he just kind of want to gets the, want to, wants to kind of piss the guy off a little right. bit. He, he tells him something inane about how he deduced something from him. And so, yeah, so that, that episode, the second episode is all about people leaving the, these, uh, these syndicate guys or whatever, leaving signs that, uh, that are this ancient form of numbers to indicate this code that somebody is marked for death because they're right. looking for somebody that stole something. And, like they, they didn't know when they stole it. Apparently, that ends up being kind of the funny part of the mystery right. is that, that, that something was so incredibly valuable. This jade uh, ear or uh, hairpin, jade, jade, ha- yeah. jade hairpin. And so, I mean, I, I thought I thought my mom didn't like the second one as much, but I didn't have a real problem with it. I thought it was still I didn't have fun. A problem with it. I, I, I think was, if I mean, I when I when I watched them, I watched them one night, second night, third night, and. Uh, in, in close proximity to the first and the second and the first and the third one, it's just a major dip. It's like if you took a thirteen episode season of an American show, yeah. you'd expect every other one to be like that, if not the majority. Of them. Yeah, and which is passable, which is mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's you know, it's a good a good episode of something. It's like a B, but these are all like yeah. films. These are all hour and a half films. You know, uh, though they still follow a very episodic format. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not like it's uh, you know a beginning, middle, and end of, a, of an entire character's story arc. It's definitely episodic, and it's, it follows yeah. the TV show episode thing. Um, but compared to uh, a, a pitch perfect origin opening story, yeah. which, which I I know you like you like that third one. We'll talk about that. 
I, I think the first one is probably the best because it nails the characters so well and really sets sure, up sure. everything great about them. And I, I, I no, no, and that's same, such same an important why I think do. Even though, like, if you look at all three of the Lord of the Rings films, the third one won Best Picture, the second one is everyone's favorite. I think the first one is probably the best because the first one just perfectly sets up all the lands and the story and the, and the characters. And when you do that correctly, that's great. The reason why a lot of uh, Marvel comic and DC comic uh, films. A lot of reasons why, why so many of the first ones suck is because origin stories, if they're not done right, are miserable. Yeah. Because everyone already knows the, the stuff. Yeah. And you want to see if they do it right. If, if it's done well and done right and done in a way that's different but it's but totally enjoyable, it's great because it's taking the, the archetype you already know. It's the same reason why, you know, we've talked about why why we love Batman. No matter no matter what what the incarnation of Batman is, why they, no matter all the different writers and the different story arcs and the different movies and different this... It's always the same thing. His parents were killed. He wants, you know, he grows obsessive about ridding uh, this city of uh, the crime that killed his parents, and uh, it's something that will never end. You know, yeah. like that's it's essentially it. And, and, that, and the, the different ways you can tweak that archetype with with actors and different takes on our, all that thing, or what's interesting to a viewer. That's why people are drawn to go back to something they already know so much. So, if an origin story for something that already exists, that's done in a new incarnation, is done well, I think that's that's better than any new direction um, something takes it, which... It, no, I, I understand where you're coming from, like, as a writer, thinking about, like, how the challenge of that to accomplish... That as an accomplishment is, is, is like you said, the most important yeah. thing, pretty much. It's like how you start and how you end. And like you said, so how they started... Yeah, kudos, good job. I, I think... I watched them as they aired on Masterpiece Theater. Uh, so one every Sunday night and evening, you know, just sat in bed and watched them, and it was comfortable and relaxing. And so I think with enough space, I would agree with you. Yeah, I would. I couldn't have watched all three of those back to back. Also, because it's dense and it's a lot of stuff. I would have gotten kind of tired by the middle. I've been, me- been meaning to, to watch them ever since I first found out about them, which was when you told me like, "Oh, this is coming out," or "This just came out," or yeah. I watched it last night, or whatever it was. And I, I watched them all the night of the uh, second episode's airing. I didn't even want to watch it, so I just watched the whole series. And, oh wow! And uh, well, I mean, I started that night. Yeah, yeah. I finished on Wednesday but, or Tuesday, and. Uh, uh, and I don't know. I like the, the more the more it's uh, it's it's a thing that's that sat with me. But I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I and just the the fact that I I think that even if I did have to wait for it, I mean, no, two is still not that just, great. I will agree. Dip. It's just a dip. You know, it's it, 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 it's still it, it introduces the Sarah character for Watson, and it inter- and it introduces the, the the element of some kind of a creepy. Sign and like I said, the for the foreign in, in the criminal element right. and and all of that stuff. And then it, I mean the whole thing with the uh, with the uh, with the performance turning into uh, uh, an altercation and a fight. It was both kind of funny and kind of fun. Yeah, and, and then and then I I think where it went off the rails and the part that lost me. Yeah, the end is kind of goes off the rails in in the tunnel system or whatever. It's hard to follow what the hell's going on. Not again. not that not sure, but the fact that you, you take a character that is supposed to be someone who's not out there mixing it up and suddenly he's racing in and out of shadows yeah. uh, loudly proclaiming how he's uh, this unstoppable master of the night uh-huh. or whatever he yeah, calls himself yeah, yeah. and, and uh, suddenly he suddenly turns into Batman like you know yeah, and a little bit I understand someone getting to some place in the nick of time to save someone but uh, it, it, it was just like it was less Holmesian and more like just more Batman yeah it was more of a superhero and, and, uh, and I felt that like 
even after one episode, it was suddenly a departure. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, it was definitely another angle on the Holmes thing where there is more of the superhero component. And you're right, that, that's not maybe tr- as true to the original and, and all of that, but that is always... Uh, and Al- there's always a little bit of an element of that. And in some of the more higher, crazy situations, he will have to hit somebody or he will have to yeah. have to do oh, stuff. Sure, sure. And so you're right. I don't think the execution. My biggest problem with that part of the ending was the execution was both confusing and kind of sloppy. It was like, yeah. wait, well, why did and somebody just, disappear? And they had a gun uh, in someone's head. The, and the just, first and third episodes were actually written by the creators. One okay. of them wrote one, one of them wrote the other. The second one was written by, was just some guy they hired. Somebody some, they hired Just some chump off the street. Well, I'm sure it was some writer. No, 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 no. they knew, obviously. But it wasn't them. I mean, and, and yeah. the, the handiwork of the, fir- of the first. Anola Strahd. It was some other guy. Yeah, some other guy. I, I found that confusing considering it's a three-episode miniseries yeah. at this point. But they, well, uh, but that actor, I think, is, is it probably the place that Strahd is probably Pretty sought after. Yeah, who knows? I've so seen him in another it may, it may in an episode. Been, it may have been something thing. like that, but that seems like something that you could. I mean, yeah, you work around. I mean, considering that after that the guy who played Lestrade is somebody who may be sought after. Yeah, they they, they changed the filming of the Hobbit movie so Martin Freeman could be in this. You realize okay. that? Oh no, I didn't know that. Peter Jackson heard that that's what was going on, and Martin Freeman was like, "Listen, I, I totally want to do this, but I'm doing this Holmes thing. I really want to do." And they're like. He's like, cool. We'll we'll push back shooting of, of the Hobbit, which is going to cost like two hundred million to make. That a studio had to like re- completely refinance a, a everything in their business to get this movie made. Like, yeah, but we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I mean, and then I guess, I mean, so 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 now we're set up for the so the, it's a crime thing with this this uh, Asian syndicate triad thing and the, the Black Lotus. Thing. Going back to somewhere something in the middle of that, there, there was some creepy stuff. All the phone call stuff was pretty creepy. Phone call in the second one? Uh, the uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah the third one is is is. I was thinking of the old woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you get into the uh, so there's more, and then once again they tease out that Moriarty was involved in right. bringing these criminals there, and it's like, okay, I, I'm fine with accepting in the, in, in, in the modern stories. That you need sort of a, an ever running. I mean, that's the superhero component. You're you going like, to need the like superhero. The, uh, the Doctor Claw ending. Yeah, the, the Doctor Claw. Oh, one, you will never fail me again. Uh-huh. And it turns black, and, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then there's a gunshot. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, it felt just like Inspector Gadget. It was the totally whole thing, Inspector through and Gadget, through, which I used to love as a kid because yeah. I, I love all detective stuff. But um, yeah, so. So then you get into the third episode, and you're like, okay, I don't, even, I don't really know where the third episode was going to go. I mean, they'd shown a trailer where it's like he's bored, and then there's an explosion, and I think, oh, man, really? They're going to do more of the superhero stuff where, like, they frame him just perfectly and have this explosion go off, and it's almost like some kind of kabuki dance kind of thing. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Is, is this going to be more character stuff because he's going to be in a bathrobe half the time shooting a gun, being, like, funny and stupid? So I was a little, like, trepidatious, but... That episode, I mean, like I said, I actually, and I've rarely done this because I'm not a fan of, like, burning myself out on things I enjoy, though I do do that, too, sometimes. But, like, I'll listen to songs I like more than I should or, you know. But but not really, actually. I really do kind of have, like, a place and a time when I, I, I like things. But I watched that episode twice in less than a week because I was so, I, uh, I realized so much happened in it and it was so enjoyable that I was like, I gotta see this again because it's rare... I'll be honest. Watching Sherlock to me is it falls in a category of uh, of other a few other shows that I've only recently watched, not necessarily recently, but within the last few years, where 
you know, I'm the kind of guy, I'll check something out, and I watch a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily love, just to sort of see the structure of how that kind of story plays out. You know, I treat it like research, and I look at it, and I see, and every now and again, I'll, I'll really stumble on something that's good, uh, in terms of a good episode, or a funny scene, or an interesting character, or a well-constructed thing. But for the most part, I'm not sitting there being so hoity-toity that I'm all cream for the crop, because I'm, I'm looking at it as research. But... Having after having seen like the third episode of the Sherlock series, I'm like, okay, this is officially something that I'm glad is on because it's really good, like really really enjoyable. Because they that third episode is essentially like five Sherlock Holmes stories that could be teased out into like a 44 minute for each one of those stories. Like in terms of you throw in more soap opera with the with the side characters and everything else, but it's all compressed into one, you know, hour and 20 minute long story that works and that flows and that builds character and builds momentum and builds tension. And it's, it's so complex. It's so convoluted in terms of like you add, then you add on top that. So there's all these cases that he's being challenged by and there's a clock put to it and everything else, which makes it great. You know, sure. It's all formula. It's like literally put a clock on it. And that means there's no, the things have to get solved quickly, and there's life at stake and everything else. There's bombs, there's clocks, there's there you go. And then there's also his brother wanting him to help solve some other thing that sounds completely unrelated and essentially is, but is of a higher order. It's like missile plans and who knows? That, that's like a terrorist level thing. And don't make me order you, as he as he says to, to his to Holmes, like like he's got the authority to do that. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he can conscript people <laughs> and force them to work for Queen and Country. And uh, I mean, that was my take on uh, on the third episode. Was it was just like there's so much going on. Like there's like, like there's like this kind of mystery, then this kind of mystery, then this one, then this one. You know, there's the the jealous like boyfriend of the husband of the whatever, and then there's like the guy that fakes his own death and that the that, and then there's the long unsolved mystery of, of the this and then there's the people trying to to trick a, you know an art deal with like a painting and it, I caught this on the second viewing when, when Watson's watching TV at, at Sarah's house the, the first article or the first uh, report before it gets into the explosion is about the painting mm. so it's like they layered it really well that, that, that's just good good structure it's and good, good writing, good writing. I mean, and foreshadowing yeah and so that that was my take on it. it. Was just like, man, that third one just like just doesn't stop. It just you know what's just interesting is that, is that uh, what's uh, cool about that whole uh, the painting thing is that uh, despite all the advances they've made in uh, um, uh, technology, so they can actually date art, yeah. and tell its authenticity. They say so. One, one, still, one of the best things they do, especially for. Uh, um, night scenes and things, and is is they they look at uh, constellations actually. People come and look and see, and uh, they can tell by that whether the thing is uh, authentic or not. They really actually use that as an authenticity. And, and that was awesome because it was like another facet of crime solving, and it related to the character who early on in the beginning was like, I don't think I need to know about like where the Earth rotates around the sun. I mean, he's so arrogantly saying what. Like, my brain can only fit so much stuff. I have to pick with what's important. That's not important. And then later on, it's like, no, you kind of have to know everything about everything if you want to be able to solve every kind of crime. That's in the books, too, because there's actually uh, one of the stories. He he says almost that same exact thing. Uh, It's not verbatim, but it's a paraphrase to to Watson about how uh, his mind has only room for certain things. And uh, uh, him not knowing about... um, 
the solar system was actually one of the things mentioned. Like he doesn't know about astronomy. Yeah, yeah, that's just like a whole field he doesn't particularly care for or or feel like he needs to know. But that's the thing is that in order to solve problems that are going to be all over the place, you need to know a little bit to a lot of about all kinds of things. And and that's illustrated in that episode too, which which points to a fault in in the character, but then something he kind of corrects, which is great. They address the whole hero angle and him being like, you know, look, I'm not that. I'm just yeah. not that. I'm I'm I'm. And people get killed, and there's kind of a a, a down. I mean, it's just it's, it's you talk about like doing an origin story right, but like doing like just structuring something that can be so dense with material and so fun. And still have it all work, and it all works. It's, it's like a Christopher Nolan movie where it's like, you know, usually like 80% of what he does in those things works. And it's like you look at Inception or Dark Knight, you could find little weird points where it's like, uh, if, if you get to that level of analysis. But in this third episode of Sherlock, it almost all just boom, boom, it connects and it works and it, it gels and it fits the characters. There's no out there elements. I mean, the only thing that I thought was kind of interesting or odd was Holmes offers to go pick up milk. At, towards the end of the episode. I mean, it ends up being a lie. That's not what he's going right. to do. But he says he will do it. And it's just sort of like this weird little domestic moment with him where he's like, no, I'll, I'll go get the milk. I don't like how he's watching TV because like now that his brain... Well, that's twice, right? Because they do that in the, in the show. He doesn't know that this famous celebrity lady because he doesn't read that stuff because that's not important. But then he... Well, I guess that is important. Yeah, I'm getting do. sucked into it, yeah. I need to know that. I need to know about gossip and I need to know about astronomy. Heaven forbid. And uh, I even <laughs> I commented that, uh, that the use of the use of Holst was awesome. That that fight scene was just cool. Just to have all that other stuff happen in the episode, and then have it have have this fight scene fit in with the narrative that could be so creative and different and yeah. and fun. Well, I, I just like that it wasn't uh, it wasn't um, a score. It was something that was actually happening in the planetarium yeah. there and. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, ma- it made it feel more like awesome and real and innovative and creative. Because, like, how are you going to do a creative fight scene? It's, it's just it's difficult. It's like, oh my god, we'll bullet time it this way and tri- and it's like really, you know, we don't need that in Sherlock Holmes. We don't. We're not going to do a bullet time suit. Cre- not that that's even creative anymore. But they actually do a creative, kind of funny, kind of realistic fight scene in the third episode. That fits, like I said, fits the narrative. It doesn't slow the pacing down. It doesn't turn into one of these like I'm bored now while the gun sh- while the gunfight happens, which to me happens in a lot of movies. You know, it's like it's like either I. It's almost like the, the, it just sounds ironic, but it's almost like the the pacing is slowed by the car chase or the gunfight. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of waiting for it to get over, so then stuff can start to happen again. And 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 the fight scene is. I mean. Maybe it's kind of like that, but it's quick enough and it's innovative enough that it's a nice little breather between all the running around and solving stuff, and, and, and it was fun. And I saw, like I said, I thought it was a little bit, a little bit funny too, because they're fighting this giant like man of a, you know, they call him the Gollum. He's the Gollum. The Gollum. He's an assassin, and then they worked that angle in. I love that. That's another sort of old, older Holmes kind of thing where it's like, or just older crime stuff where it's like there's the. The, the infamous Interpol wanted criminal that has this signature way of doing things or whatever. Right. I don't think they ever catch him in the episode, do they? He escapes and then that's it for him, right? I think so, yeah. Um, to come back another day like Cobra, you know? Retreat and he comes back. And so, I mean, I don't know. And then it gets, to, it kind of gets to the end and it's, it, they end up solving the Mycroft thing too and that, that 
is only to me that's the only part where it gets a little slower because it's more like Watson is dealing with that and I'm a little less interested but I'm still kind of waiting to see how that's going to connect and I feel like it's going to be really uh, as I'm watching I feel like it's going to either be really too quick or too convenient or it's going to be really contrived and how it reconnects to the other things and it, I didn't feel like it necessarily did that it ended up being really kind of a quick one where it's like boom this guy they catch the guy he basically just confesses and you move on and that's how you figure out how to how to get through it but I gave it a pass at that point because it had been so much fun up till then with it, with all the other stuff that was happening. And then you get the uh, the introduction of the, of the actual Moriarty character. They don't tease out who he actually is going to be for a while. And it's like, for me, it was like really surprising. I was kind of doing like scratching my head being like, okay, they young, they, they, you know, they youthed up Holmes and Watson and it's, you know, everyone's, everyone's young and, and cool in the modern era. But now they got Moriarty, and he's not like this curmudgeonly old dude, or like an, I would I would have expected him to have been older than Holmes, and he's he might even be younger. He looks younger. He looks younger, and he's got this weird kind of mannerisms and his behavior, uh, but it, but it kind of works, and I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But that whole standoff at the end by the pool was cool, and then and this is what I loved. Because this never happens in stuff in the superhero stuff. It's like if the villain gets away, he runs off. And it's like, ah, he's lost next time, you know? Like, we'll tease this out. The Joker escaped, and the Joker will appear next time that readership is low in Batman. But no. Instead, he just, like, comes back in after five minutes. After Holmes goes to look for him. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to take care of you guys now. Sorry. It's just the way it is. And he changes his mind. He just changes his mind. It's like, I'm changing, but what can I say? You know, with his weird, like, intonations. Yeah, he's... Uh, the actor is Irish, so it was supposedly an Irish accent, though it didn't sound that Irish. No, it didn't. No one could figure out what. The, maybe he's trying to hide it. Possibly. Still trying to pre- pretend he sounds different. And then, then of course, they do give you the, the crazy cliffhanger ending, which is awesome. But I don't know how that's going to resolve, and how that could resolve satisfyingly is going to be interesting. Like, if they're going to eliminate the Moriarty character, like true to Holmes' fashion, and have him only appear in two and a half stories. Best thing they could do is. Uh, is just uh, the next season begins with uh, with them sitting in their flat, and uh, at some point someone mentions like, "How did you guys get out of that?" And they're like, "Ah, oh, you don't even want." Yeah, to. we don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't even want to talk about it. And then, then like, and then Moriarty shows up later. You, <laughs> I got you guys. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I didn't really say much about the last episode, but I think I don't know. We could spoil a bunch of plot stuff, but it was it was just fun. I mean, the uh, like you said, the use of, of the phone calls to the to the, these innocent people that had to call in yeah. and read what Moriarty was writing, so they had to, to but were all deathly afraid because they had bombs strapped onto them, and uh, that, that that worked. I mean, it, there were elements of that, that that played played a little cheesy. I mean, I'm not going to praise the the hell out of the, the episode, even though I pretty much just did. But like the the one guy is basically strapped up. And he's standing out in the middle of, like... Piccadilly Square. Piccadilly Square. And, like, no one would notice that. And the one lady's, like, parked it, like, the safe way. Yeah. And people are walking by... They show people walking behind her. Like, wouldn't someone see into a car and be like, oh, my gosh, this lady's got a bomb on her. I I don't know. And then it was tough to to understand that somebody had a sniper on them the whole time. Mm -hmm. Eventually you got, like, oh, there's a little predator, like, going on there, I guess... That's odd. I mean, some of that stuff was a little, uh, a little awkward. But 
I don't know the this, the mystery solving and the, and the pace. It's one of those things where it's like if you move it quick enough, then the awkward parts you don't linger on those and you don't dwell on them. You just keep going. Right. Uh, the characters are pushed to their limits, and and uh, you know they they quickly move the whole uh, nemesis thing into it and and finish the the mini series with it. I don't know if at that time if they knew they were getting a, a second series or not, but. Um, it, it just like you know, just so so smartly done like that because they could have very easily just taken it so slow and and been and then like you know talk to the BBC to get more episodes and oh we'd like to do another one someday oh cool because your ratings were great you know but yeah. in this case it was just like you know what pull out all the stops and make the make the uh, the three best or two out of the three best. Uh, hour and a half long uh, miniseries episodes of something you possibly can and just go for broke you know yeah. I mean these are obviously extremely creative people I mean the Doctor Who stuff is so off the wall that you have to be like that I guess but um, they uh, I have to imagine that they, they're, they're, they're going to be just as creative with the second series I mean I don't even know how well, you can top that third episode because that third episode had so many different storylines it's like sure they'll find a way we'll, we'll and if you think about it, all three episodes, like if you look at it, if you look at a, at a case for like Holmes or a case like a, in a law and order fashion, like yeah. from that kind of approach, it's usually one body, one homicide, one kill, one event. And in the case of all three of these episodes of Sherlock, multiple bodies. So kind of, well, in the case of the third, the third one's the only one where it's really only one case or where it's multiple cases. I, th- I think because, because with a character that brilliant, one is too easily solvable. Oh yeah. The problem is finding a link between things that are very tenuously the same. Yeah. That, and that, and that becomes the mystery and that's what he loves so much. So and that's going to be the tough, the challenge in the second series after having done the third series, the, the third episode in the first series, it's got so much of that stuff connecting these unrelated full on mysteries and full on cases. It's like, well, is, you know, is that the first episode of the second series going to be like a single case where it's like, okay, there's one body floating in the river, uh, take a look at it. And then something else will connect, of course. Oh, and somebody just jumped off a building two weeks ago. And uh, M. Night Shyamalan written and directed the first episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I hate to be the pessimist, and I don't think I'm going to be because I'm, I'm looking forward to more episodes. Even it, just because the characters are interesting enough, uh, I could give a pass to an episode where it's a lost cat type scenario. Where the I think uh, that's another thing I want to talk about. Now we've kind of covered the episodes a little. Did you think that this? Um, it's got way more humor, the series. Like, not that it's, like, comedic by any stretch of the event, but it definitely will let itself be comedic in places. Oh, and for sure. first episode, like, the, the awkward interaction between uh, Watson and the redhead on the phone that works for Mycroft. Yeah. Like, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, where he's like, he's like, you know, remember when we were, and she's like, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, like I don't care. And he's like, "You probably don't get a lot of free time, huh?" And he's like, "Oh, I got a lot of free time, you know." And then she yeah. just keeps <laughs> like that was good. Uh, a lot of the Holmes Watson stuff was pretty funny, and even in like the third episode, they did the whole thing where he calls you know Holmes in Holmes in to pretend to be a photographer right. in that one case, uh, and they're both kind of like laughing about it, like <laughs> kind of fun. 
messing around with with that one. I just like that uh, Watson thought he was he finally uh, had solved, had solved yeah. figured something out on his own, and he was like, "Oh no, that was totally wrong." He's like, "I just wanted a picture of whatever for whatever reason." Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it wasn't the cat. It wasn't the cat. It wasn't the disinfectant. No. But 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 that also is good character stuff too because it shows Watson is like getting into wanting to to, to do that. Right. And you're right when they when they established the with Mycroft intera- his interaction with Watson in the first episode, and then they get back to it in the third little too. He's like, "Oh, John, I'm glad it's you." It's almost like he, he the interaction between Mycroft and Watson has got it's got room to have things happen right. because you can see Mycroft being like, "Look." I can use this Watson guy who I can communicate with and who will be reasonable with me and, and help me to help kind of wrangle my brother on some level, possibly. And you get that in the first episode where he's... But then you also get that great bit of analysis that Watson... there That Mycroft does on Watson where he's like, put out your hand, you know? He's yeah. like, you don't have a tremor. You don't have a shake. You don't, you don't have a problem being... You like, like how quickly he didn't need the... Uh the cane anymore? Yeah, I like the. He was got limping like hardcore, you know, and then yeah. suddenly he wasn't limping at all. Like. He, did, he got excited and just didn't need it. It was psychosomatic, as as, yeah. as Holmes. And they never went back. I like that they they just kind of give up with it in the first episode and didn't keep belaboring the cane. They didn't make like seven. It's just good, you know. They they, they, they give, moved quick. They gave the characters a good thing. I mean, the whole thing now. I'm assuming movies and shows are using this now, but like. You know, the making making the Watts Watson a guy that's like you know essentially an, an adrenaline junkie, like he he lives for the thrill type thing is a great it's a great idea. Absolutely. Otherwise, you just have some guy who like you know. Well, you know, I was done with my uh, I was done with my rounds, and uh, for a for a diversion, I decided to follow my flatmate Holmes around while he solved a violent murder. <laughs> like. But like, come on, that wouldn't happen, you know. Yeah, that's so. the only that's the only thing where it's still. I mean, they've established that that the thing that you need to establish, and this is why it was great research for for the show I'm working on is it's like you want these guys to be running around solving stuff. The audience wants it. The as a writer, you want well, but, it. Because but how do you make it seem like why are these guys going to do this? And you, you give them both a need to yeah, do what they're need, doing, and, uh, yeah. they, and they express that. Uh, you know, in the first episode, and, it, and it's fantastic because you don't have to keep going back to it. Though you know they do just to punctuate points, but I mean, clearly, you know, early on, uh, Holmes lives lives for this. The, the, it, he's bored otherwise, you know, and that's and that's a big point they made about the character and that guy Richie thing. You know, like he's yeah. he's so bored with regular life that like you know it's it's the compulsion to do this stuff is just anything to. Keep him from killing himself out of boredom, you know. Or from, like, yeah, from killing other people out yeah, of boredom, yeah, right, right. Or from just becoming a doper and you know dropping dead. Yeah. So, you know that that's great, and and uh, and and then you know the Watson character, like you know he he lives for this thrill, and suddenly he's found a way to to get this almost every day, you know, yeah. like even though if he has to put up with someone who's just like almost unlivable. It's excitement. It's problem solving. It's it's yeah. things. And you're right. They do do that. I mean, they introduce Watson doing. Uh, kind of uh, some doctor work that they never really get into a little in the second episode when they introduce the Sarah well, character. Well, and then, like, he's late to his first shift. Yeah, he's sli- exactly. Because he's, he's sleeping because he, uh, he's been up all night working on, you know... Well, he, he wasn't late to it. He just fell asleep in his, in his, in his doctor room, yeah, office. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And as the characters evolve, and we'll see if Watson sort of will have that moment where he'll be like, I just want to, like, stay and bang my girlfriend and be a doctor and... Uh, if they'll have, there'll be any of that because at the some point, I mean, he, the, the third episode it was just like so much like he's like I'm with you, we're going, we're doing, and and I want to solve the problem and I want to help, and it's like well, don't you have to like make money to live? And if you're a doctor, uh, how are you? Why is it so hard for you to get out of that? And they established the whole 
like post traumatic element in the first episode enough that it'll last for a few episodes that it's like he doesn't want to get back to being to doing medicine and that they've established that he only maybe wants to do medicine if it's going to be you know while guns are going off and stuff. Sure. <laughs> but they, I feel like they could do a little more with that. A good episode for like a second series would maybe be, and you might just shoot this down as being totally hokey. It would be like a, a Watson's army buddy type story that that relates to the army buddy maybe is the bad guy because he's done he's gotten twisted from from fighting or something and then it would force Watson to kind of deal with his past a little bit and think about re, reassess his friendships and the nature of the kind of friendships he has with people and stuff and that could be a good thing to kind of reaffirm the Watson Holmes re- relationship uh, in terms of the partnership they have as to solve crimes. So that you're not just kind of eventually just kind of hand waving like no no he just likes doing it you know he's doing it because the other we need him to do this in the story <laughs> well like like I said with, with my with the characters that I was writing in my story it's basically like this guy causes this thing to happen that gets one guy fired from a job he didn't really care for and gets another guy's like boss killed mm-hmm. and it's like is that okay is that enough for them to keep following this guy right. and sort of it is but it, but I. I, a few episodes in, I, I'm kind of. I, I wrote like a scene where this one guy's like, you know, why are you doing this? You're retired. You know, you used to do all this intelligence work for the military and everything. It's like, and, and the, the guy's like his old friend from back in the day that he doesn't want to be associated with, kind of. And he's like, it's because it pisses you off, right? Like this pisses you off that people are running around doing this, and so you're gonna you're gonna eventually come back to me, and you're gonna you're gonna work for me, and we're gonna we're gonna keep, you know, we're gonna solve these problems. I think that that to me was one of the only interesting parts of. Uh, did you ever see that movie, the Matt Damon movie with uh, that Robert De Niro directed, The Good Shepherd, about the CIA? There was an angle of the care on the character that where it was like this sense that like he felt that he needed to con- you know to solve these problems or that you know it, this pisses me off and this is my country and everyone else is just borrowing it or whatever and then yeah. and that kind of kind of compulsion and arrogance and stuff is good for characters. You know, it's definitely there in homes and stuff. It's like, I have to be the one to solve this problem and I definitely want to be the one because everyone else is too dumb and so on and so forth. So yeah, you've got, I think a good episode would be a, a Holmes backstory with the buddy thing. Not that you wasted a bunch of time in Afghanistan style and a lot of flashbacks, but just like, that would be a, a good one. And then, I don't know how long they'll wait and how they'll address the Irene Adler angle if they'll really, they'll go full like crazy extended romantic garbage or what or if they'll just keep it simple it'll be an interesting angle though so I'm looking forward to, to the new what if it's a transvestite <laughs> that'd be a good way to have him continually confounded by homosexuality yeah he could be confounded by his own homosexuality <laughs> that would be interesting so that's my take on, on on the whole on the whole first series I guess of Sherlock and I'm looking forward for more, and I don't know how rare they're going to be or how long it's going to be. It's going to be a two-year turnaround because, like you said, Martin Freeman's yeah, going to be on a, working on a two-year, uh, two-Hobbit movie and whatnot. Yeah, plus, I mean, turnaround on, on a British TV series sometimes is like years in between. That's great. Faulty Towers is famously two series, and it's uh, they were four years apart. Wow. Anyway, yeah, so that, that was... Uh, that was our discussion on Sherlock. I recommend people check it out. Like I said, we're talking about TV. We're talking about cartoons and movies. And we should about music sometime. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. and, and, and all sorts of things. It, it's truly the most futile of podcasts here as we enter our year, as we continue on our, our fourth year. 
And you guys can email us at futilepodcast at gmail.com and search Futile Podcast on Google and iTunes to get more episodes. Uh, we're well into the 200s now, about to breach 250, I think. Um, so that makes quite a backlog. How, how many would you say I'm in? You're in the vast majority. Like, Not anymore. No, even now. Really? Well, I mean, if you're talking about within the last year, or are you talking about like in total? Out of the 245 that we've done or whatever, you are most likely in, I would say, 60 to 70%. Tell me how to uh, how to live your life. How to uh, self uh, medicate. So, <laughs> I would not tell anyone. Prescribe an aspirin regimen. I would not. I would not tell anyone how to self medicate because then that would be the Ian Colin. Did Did you like the the thing I told you about the Family Guy? It was, it yeah. was a complete non sequitur, but it was. Uh, it sounds like it was something one. about somebody said something about something was going to cost so much, and Peter goes. That, that's so expensive. He's like, I need money to buy bourbon and anime. And it just cuts to him sitting with tons, tons of empty bourbon bottles around him, like all drunk with his glass on sideways. And he, and he says something about not understanding what they're saying. It was a dumb throwaway joke, yeah. but the point was, it was you. It except, was you. Except I understand what they're saying, usually. Yeah, no. I don't know Japanese. He but... needs money for bourbon and anime. Yeah, that's and it's also, you don't drink bourbon. You drink in Tennessee. That's true. And there's a difference. There's, there's an absolute difference. Um, <laughs> bourbon is derivative. As they'll tell you on the anime series Gungrave. <laughs>